Live around the globe, it's time for Rudy Max's World on the SSI Radio Network. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the deserts, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. Travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. And now, the savvy traveler himself, Rudy Maxa. Welcome back to America's most popular and most listened to radio travel show. As I said at the start of the last hour, May is National Tourism Month. And toward the end of this hour... We're going to be joined by our friend Rabbi Peter Tarlow, who has an interesting take on tourism and religion. He calls Moses the world's first tour leader and Noah the world's first cruise director. I like that. I know he's exaggerating to make a point, but I think you'll get a kick out of his observations. We're also going to learn how to avoid getting killed if you have plans to visit Yosemite this summer. I'm not exaggerating on this one. Michael Guglieri is an expert on the things that go wrong, and I mean very wrong, in our national parks, the things most people don't hear about. He's coming up in about seven minutes. But maybe you're headed to Paris. I always make a point of visiting markets when I travel. It's a great way to see what locals eat and buy and to mingle with the real people as opposed to tourists. Marjorie Williams is co-author of a handy pocket-sized guide called Markets of Paris. I like a straightforward title. And she's going to join me to discuss the food, antique, and other markets that make Paris so special. Then there are the gardens of Paris. Many of them are hard to find, but author Susan Cahill will open our eyes to them thanks to the research she did for her book called The Hidden Gardens in Paris. Another straightforward title, The Hidden Gardens of Paris. But first, let's start as we do every hour with a look at this week's news and travel. Well, Delta Airlines is now the proud owner of an oil refinery facility in Pennsylvania. And so it becomes the first airline in the U.S. to own a piece of the energy puzzle in transportation. Delta will pay $150 million to buy the refinery from Phillips 66. They'll spend $100 million to refit it to produce jet fuel. And they're going to get $30 million in assistance from the state of Pennsylvania. The airline says it will be able to reduce the cost of its fuel by $300 million a year. Well, if you're pricing airline tickets for travel this summer, you might be shocked by the prices. It's something we talk a lot about on this show. You can blame it on the airlines trying to get back into the black and high fuel costs. The average domestic airfare last year was $364 for a round-trip ticket. That's an 8.3% over increase over 2010, and it beat the previous high set in 2008 by about $18. This year, the nation's airlines have managed to raise fares three times since January 1. And when you add to that additional fees for such things as check luggage and onboard food, well, taking a family of four to anywhere, Los Angeles, Disney World, New York, becomes a pretty serious expense. However, maybe this will help ease the pain a bit for you. I'm going to give you some numbers here. Don't focus on them. I'll tell you the moral of in just a moment. But if you're a numbers person, adjusted for an inflation, adjusted for inflation in 1995 dollars, Fares last year averaged $247, down about 18% from the inflation-adjusted high of $300 in the year of 2000. All that means is that even inflation, as low as it has been, has risen faster than airfares. And the airlines are pleading poverty, too. The airline trade group called Airlines for America says the nation's airlines reported a profit margin last year of a pitiful three-tenths of 1%. Pity the folks who live in Cincinnati, they paid the highest average domestic airfare last year, $502 for a round-trip ticket. Folks living in Atlantic City, New Jersey, paid the lowest at $189 round-trip. A private railroad operator in Italy called Italo, Italo NTV launched high-speed train service linking Rome to Naples this week. The train made the trip in an hour and 10 minutes, hitting speeds as high as 300 kilometers an hour or about 190 miles an hour. 
And listen to this. Wi-Fi was included in the price of the ticket, as was cable television. The Ferrari Red Train is the first competition that Italy's state-run railroad has ever faced. Investors in this private rail company include France's National Rail Company, the head of the luxury shoemaker called Todd's, and the head of Ferrari, which may explain the color of those uh, red, red train cars. U.S. Airways has continued to flex its muscles without about wanting to merge with American Airlines, which is currently undergoing bankruptcy. For its part, American says it wants nothing to do with a merger right now, and U.S. Airways would need the cooperation of Americans' management to do a merger. But some of Americans' unions have been meeting with U.S. Airways to endorse the marriage. I asked Ernie Arvey to help us sort this out. He's the president and CEO of the Arvey Group. It's an airline consultancy located near Boston. He's got 35 years of experience with the airline industry, so he knows that about which he speaks. Welcome to the show, Ernie. Nice to have you here. Uh, thanks, Rudy. Nice to be with you. Well, let's start with the question of why are Americans' unions cozying up to U.S. Airways? I think Americans' unions are cozying up to U.S. Airways for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is they've had a uh, battle royal with Americans' management over the years, and American going into bankruptcy can now uh, declare the, uh, the union contracts invalid and impose their will and actually impose new wage rates, which they're uh, chafing at. So they see a chance for better wages with U.S. Air. And I think, second, they recognize that with the mergers of Delta and Northwest and United and Continental making larger mega carriers and American actually shrinking over the last few years in size, that combining with U.S. Airways uh, would give them a, a larger carrier on an equal footing with their competitors and a little better chance of long-term success. All right. Why is American cool toward the idea of a merger? Why is U.S. Airways anxious to do a merger? Well, I think U.S. Airways is anxious to do a merger because they're the uh, the, uh, the smallest of the remaining legacy carriers, and uh, they were sort of left off the dance card at the first round of mergers with uh, with Delta acquiring Northwest and uh, and uh, Continental actually doing a reverse acquisition of a larger United. Uh, American is cool to it because American management uh, wants to uh, wants to remain in charge, and they. Uh, and uh, under this uh, particular proposal, where U.S. Airways is proposing a hostile takeover, uh, U.S. Airways management would survive, and American would be out. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. What do you think? Based on your three decades of service to this industry, what does your crystal ball say is going to happen? I think it's a I think it's a 50-50 proposition at this point. Uh, you have to remember that uh, America West management team, which took over the larger U.S. Airways, uh, also pulled a uh, uh, pulled a reverse merger there, where the small guys swallowed up the big guys. So they've done it once before. Uh, they've they were successful at it, and I think they're using the uh, uh, whatever leverage they can gain in their favor to go after it. And with American in bankruptcy, it's really the bankruptcy court that will decide. Uh, American gets to put together the first business plan and present that to the bankruptcy court. But if U.S. Airways has a uh, has a takeover bid on the table and the support of unions, I'm sure they'll be heard. And whoever has the better business plan will probably win the win the day. Titans clashing. I love this. Uh, this is a case of a minnow, minnow swallowing a whale, isn't it? Uh, it sure is. And you're betting that it will happen one way, even if it doesn't happen. Before American gets out of bankruptcy, once American is back on its feet, it could happen then, correct? It could happen then. American could uh, could look and see that it needs to uh, to swallow up someone else to become larger. And the two remaining candidates on the table are, uh, are U.S. Airways and, of course, Alaska Airways, which has right. got its own independent niche and is vowed to remain independent, uh, or potentially working with one of the lower-cost carriers such as a JetBlue. 
Okay. Well, we will watch with great interest. Ernie Arvey is the president and CEO of an airline consulting group near Boston called the Arvey Group. Thank you for joining us for the first time on Rudy Max's World here. Uh, Ernie, I hope we can call on you again. My pleasure, Rudy. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, this is going to be interesting because if U.S. Airways and American do hook up, there's going to be one empty executive suite at one of those airlines when it happens. We'll see how this goes. Stick around because up next, you know, I didn't know there were so many ways to die in Yosemite. Our next guest will explain exactly what I mean by that. Don't go away. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. Get in the zone! Paying close attention to your brakes can keep a small problem from getting worse. And the experts at AutoZone say it's important to check the entire system. That means you should regularly inspect your brake pads as well as rotors and hardware and replace any component that's worn. It's the right way to maintain brake performance and maximize pad life. Stay ahead of a brake problem before it starts with help from AutoZone. Parts are just part of what we do. Get in the zone. AutoZone. On my journey to help save people money on car insurance, people have been really surprised to learn that GEICO can also help with renter's insurance. They're even more surprised when I tell them it costs as little as $12 a month. But perhaps what's most surprising is that I still live with my mum. Yeah, I know, I really should start thinking about renting my own place. But then I'd have to get my own tea kettle. Sofa? Shower curtain? Soap dish? Visit Geico.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I believe I can do anything. So when it came to learning a new language, I knew I had to do it the way I learn. No books, no memorizing or translating. I wanted to learn the same way I learned my first language, naturally. That's why I chose Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone invites you to be a part of its biggest language learning event in history. Because in 2012, we want to help 3 million people learn a new language. That's why we're going to give you an absolutely free demo of our language immersion technology. To participate in this free nationwide event, just call 1-800-507-5898. Si yo puedo hacerlo, usted puede hacerlo. If I can do it, you can do it. To participate in this free nationwide event, call now for your free demo from Rosetta Stone. Call 1-800-507-5898. That's 1-800-507-5898. Telephone number to call the program is 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. Or visit the show online at RudyMaxa.com. Here again is Rudy Maxa. Welcome back. It's 18 minutes after the hour. You may remember the name Michael Guglieri. We talked to him several weeks ago about a book he wrote about the bad things that happened to visitors, unaware visitors, to the Grand Canyon. Turns out Michael's got another very thick book filled with horror stories, this one on Yosemite. Now, he doesn't write these books to scare people. He writes the books to hope, in the hopes that people will read them and be careful when they go to national parks and not treat them like amusement parks. Michael is a... Uh, 
uh, Vietnam War veteran. He is an EMT. He is a specialty in sustainable resource management, and he is fascinated by our national parks and what goes on there. And the book I have in my hand right now is called Off the Wall, Death in Yosemite. It's a second revised edition. It's published by Puma Press. Michael, nice to have you back on the show. Well, thanks for having me. All right. Now, in the Grand Canyon, people were taking pictures and stepping too far back and falling off the cliff. They were hiking up and down out of the canyon and not physically, either physically capable of doing that or not taking enough water. Uh, they were in helicopter tours, crashes. Uh, um, what is it about Yosemite that, that uh, is different than that? Well, it's just, one of the, uh, you know, the prime ways that people drop out of the human race in Grand Canyon is just what you said, trying to hike back out of the canyon, not having enough water. And, and so many of the fatal events are to hikers are not hiking downhill. They're hiking back uphill, and they're short of water and long on heat. And what's interesting, one of the things that's surprising about Yosemite, and there's 900 traumatic fatalities, there's not one fatality that's linked to dehydration. Not Really? Not one. So yeah, how are the, what are the most popular ways to die in Yosemite? <laughs> most popular ways is having a lapse of uh, attention while driving, but the, ne the next really <laughs> Oh, close, no! Yeah, the, the really next closest one is drowning, and there have been, gosh, probably about 100, and, almost 150 drownings. And some of those drownings uh, actually have been a little more than 150 if you if you count in the number of people who had a lapse in driving and ended up in the river. See, I don't think of Yosemite in terms of swimming and drowning. No, you don't usually, but it's a huge, huge valley that was glacier-carved, and right in the middle of that gigantic valley there's this beautiful stream that in the summer is, oh, late summer, is kind of small and, and, uh, and I won't say harmless, but it's less threatening. But in uh, the month of May, that thing just roars through there from all the melting snow and the, and the uh, high country uh, stacked up behind it. And some of those mountains are 13,000 feet, so there's a lot of snow. And at that time, many people have just the slightest mishap next to the water, and poof, they're gone. And uh, usually not, uh, with, in some of the steep areas, they're never even found. It, they can really? For, really? Yeah, searchers, searchers look for weeks, and, and sometimes the following year, somebody finds a tennis shoe with a foot in it, and that's the closest thing to a recovery. Oh, so my. It, it's, it's really rough and tumble at that time of year, that spring melt-off. Well, you so, listed car accidents, you listed drownings, but you didn't mention rock climbing or, or climbing mountains. Is that yeah, those, not a danger? Uh, yeah, both of those are dangerous. And then in descending order, the next, and it's very close to the drowning figures. And these are all over 100 over the years, more than 100 in each category, people who die. But the, the next one that's really important and, uh, and easy for people to fall into the situation where it could occur is shortcutting off trails or losing the trail altogether and bushwhacking in the hopes that a trail will, will materialize somehow out of, you know, wherever you want it to be, it'll, it'll be there. And uh, a lot of people have slipped and fallen. A few have gotten lost forever, but a, lots and lots of people have fallen, mostly young males, to their deaths in this sort of situation, just detouring off a trail, losing a trail, or shortcutting from one part of the trail to the other because those uh, you know, those nicely constructed switchbacks for the, are for old people. <laughs> right. And, if, and then the next one, of course, is falls. It's a different category, but it's the same mechanism as uh, technical climbing falls. And 
And it is true that in the entire world, even including the, the Alps and everywhere else, uh, and the Eiger, all, all the hot spots for technical climbing in the world, Yosemite is the uh, really the mecca, and it's not, not an overstatement. So there have been tens of thousands of pretty well-qualified and skilled climbers climbing various, and there are hundreds and hundreds of different climbs within Yosemite Valley, just within the valley. And so there, as, as might be guessed, there have been over 100 uh, fatal events. Fatalities. Yeah, to little mishaps or misjudgments or equipment failures, that's pretty small. It's usually brain failure, not equipment failure. But, um, And I think that's one of the reasons people are astounded. You know, the rest of the tourist world is astounded when they look at a face of El Capitan and they might see four groups trying to climb their way up there. And some of those groups might take three or four days to get from bottom to top. And, and some wow. of the top-end climbers can do it in one day. But it's like watching a circus act without a net. Sure. If you just tuned in, uh, you may wonder what we're talking about. We're talking about uh, Yosemite National Park. Michael Guillier is my guest, and we talked with him a, a couple of weeks ago about uh, deaths in the Grand Canyon, and he has written a very thick book detailing, I mean, in, ex in excruciating detail, um, how people die in Yosemite. He hasn't written it uh, to exploit those deaths. He's written it to warn others. Uh, and I think I'm going to ask you the same question I asked you about the Grand Canyon, Michael. We often don't hear about these deaths, at least those of us who don't you know, live right near these, these, these national parks. Is there a conspiracy of silence, or it just doesn't really make the news, I hate to say this, because nobody hears the tree fall in the forest? Well, it's not the latter. It's not that nobody heard the tree fall in the forest. And it's not really a conspiracy either, but the National Park System has no desire whatsoever to publicize these sorts of demises. Uh, their number one mission of the National Park Service is to protect visitors, but um, when there are millions of visitors and a tiny portion of those visitors don't use even a modicum of common sense, it, it's really an impossible task to protect them all. And um, you, but, and you have said... Reason, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, please. Okay, the reason that you don't hear about very many of them is they're, uh, they're somewhat generic and, um, and, and not to d demean or belittle what's happened, but some of them are also so dumb that they don't make the news. They're just sort of, you know, the one step backwards and off the cliff getting a photograph or something like that, some, it just won't be a media subject. But what does capture the media is multiples of people, and only now and then, and there have been a few recently where there have been three people in Grand Canyon or three kids who tried to swim across the river to make a little check on a box on a bucket list, and, and there was no way no one would ever survive trying to swim across the river where they were, and they made a lot of news in Grand Canyon. And then almost at the same time, within a month or a couple of months, a trio from a church group were standing on top, in the water, in the river. This is the Merced River. It's not a little creek. In Yosemite. Right yeah, in Yosemite, above Vernal Fall, which is, I think, a 316-foot drop. And uh, they're all frolicking around. Amazing to me that the social pressure didn't work, but there were people behind the guardrail, other tourists, people all over the place yelling at them, get out of the water, that's dangerous, you're not supposed to be down there. And they were being ignored, and one person slipped, and the second person nearest uh, jumped, you know, kind of a lurch to try to grab that first person. Both of those people were swept into the current, 
actually they were standing in the current. The third one, also standing in the current, decided to try to help, and all three went screaming over the waterfall. And oh, uh, oh that, that did, and that was just a year and a half ago. That made national news because it was just a much bigger calamity than, than what normally happens. But they were number 46, 47, and 48 going over waterfalls. So there have been, in, in circumstances that were all uh, really similar with regard to uh, almost every single person was warned by somebody else or was being told, be careful, or don't get away from there, or, or what are you doing, or you know, some sort of a warning. And so it's a special, in, in that particular case, it's a special type of victim who's pretty good at ignoring everyone else who I'm falls just... victim. I'm just I'm I'm just stunned. I'm just stunned. Let me because we only have 15 seconds left. Let me repeat what I know your best advice is. If you're going to visit a national park, go to the ranger station and read the warnings about what dangers are in that park. You know, big bears aren't teddy bears and and what did you say once Michael antelopes aren't big cows or something? Buffaloes aren't big cows. Buffalo aren't big cows, right? <laughs> I really appreciate your coming on the show a second time because I find this fascinating. Uh, obviously, it's a morbid subject, but if it saves one life from a listener, I, it's well worth it. The book is called Off the Wall, Death in Yosemite. It's published by Puma Press. Michael, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We'll be right back. We're going to go uh, to a little brighter subject, the markets of Paris. Don't go away. to talk to Rudy Maxa at 800-387-8025. You can also email the show anytime at info at rudymaxa.com. Today, my journey to help save people money on car insurance has got me reflecting a bit. You know, about all the places I've been so far, all the nice folks I've met, and all the money Geico saved them. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I saved somebody money on car insurance, I could retire tomorrow. But then I'd have to stop my journey across America. I'd never get to visit Collinsville, Illinois, and see the world's largest bottle of ketchup. Well, there's no way I'm going to miss that. For a free rate quote, visit Geico.com to see how much you could save. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Get in the zone! Regular oil changes can help you avoid paying more at the pump. And in times like these, that really matters. Clean engines are just more efficient. And now at AutoZone, get a five-quart oil change jug of Castrol conventional motor oil and an SDP oil filter for just $20.99. Or upgrade to Castrol high mileage for a little more. See store for restrictions and details. Stop in today and get more gas-saving tips from the experts at AutoZone. Parts are just part of what we do. Get in the zone. AutoZone. participate in the program, call now at 800-387-8025 or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Here's Rudy Maxa. Welcome back. It's 33 minutes after the hour, and this segment of the program is brought to you by the good folks at On Call International. We all know, you know, I know that sometimes the unexpected happens while traveling, and if and when it does, you can protect yourself with a reasonably priced annual membership from On Call International. The company provides the best assistance you'll need during an unforeseen medical or travel emergency, even a situation such as social or political unrest. From unexpected illnesses to life-threatening accidents, delayed luggage or legal woes, On Call International gives you the help you'll need to return home or get back to enjoying your trip. It's good to have a pal when you're on the road. For more information, 
visit oncallinternational.com or just go to the radio show website, rudymaxa.com, and look under sponsors on the homepage. By the way, I do a travel minute that you may or may not hear during morning drive time for many of our stations. That travel minute is posted every day, well, Monday through Friday, at rudymaxa.com. Just click on Travel Minute, and you can read it. It's not a uh, podcast. It's just a one-minute script. And... Uh, I don't know. Who knows? You might pick up something interesting. Well, if you're going to Paris this summer, you can't miss the markets. You just can't. I mean, I'm a huge fan of of going to a market in, in, in a new city whenever I visit, if there are markets. And Paris has got markets galore. Food, antiques, crafts, book markets, stamp markets. Uh, Marjorie Williams is co-author of a new book called Simply Markets of Paris. It comes out any day now. I'll ask her when. It's the second edition. She wrote it with Dixon Long, and it's published by The Little Book Room. And it's a terrific pocket-sized guide with gorgeous photographs of the great markets of Paris and where they are, how to get to them, what you can find there. And I thought it might be interesting for have to have her on the show today. Marjorie, welcome to Rudy Max's World. Nice to have you aboard. Thank you, Rudy. Okay. Now, I, I'm already sold on the markets of Paris. I've been to a few. For a listener who might not have had the pleasure of being in Paris or if they were in Paris, didn't visit the markets, give us, uh, give us a little taste. Uh, paint a picture for us. Well, you go early in the morning for the best selection, and if you happen to be at one of the food markets, you'll see the stands just overflowing, literally. I would see strawberries falling off of the edges of the tables. They would be stacked so high. Produce of all colors, of delicious varieties, and such abundance. And it's not just the food and the produce and the cheeses and the freshly baked breads, but you have the sense of all sorts of ethnic cuisines coming at you, all warm foods, foods that you can eat right on the spot if you can't wait to get home with the goods that you're buying there. And and that's, that, those are the food markets. But at the other markets, you see these, you enter these universes that are filled with specialists of a particular area. There are stamp markets, as you mentioned, and telephone card markets. And these whole worlds open up at the bird markets, aficionados of birds and all of the different variations of seeds. You enter these different worlds in each market, and each one is well-stocked and, and well-traveled by, by the locals. These are not tourist sites. These are these are markets where the real Parisians shop for their own goods, and they're very social. People people mill around. They take their time. It's as much a social experience as as it is a commercial. Experience. Which is one of the great reasons to go to a market is to go somewhere where there aren't a lot of uh, uh, tourists. Now, is there are, are we talking heavy bargaining here? I mean, is this the a souk in Egypt or uh, the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul? Not, not quite. It's, it's not the norm to barter at the French markets. Now, maybe you can a little bit at the flea markets and at, uh, you know, so, so, some of the markets you can, but don't expect to barter at the food markets. But my tip, if you're looking for a really good price, then it's best to go at the end of the day as they're closing up the markets. Ah. And then, of course, they'll be eager to, to give you a, a better price on, on the items rather than have to pack all of the things up in the truck again. And are you going to find better prices there than you might elsewhere around the world? Well, yes, I think so. Certainly better prices for the foods and items there than in the in the restaurants, for example. Okay. You, can, you can get a great meal, uh, pick up a meal to eat on the spot or take for a picnic or bring it back to your hotel room and certainly have delicious food and give your wallet a break from some of the fancy restaurants. 
Can I share the tip you probably know, which is don't touch the fruit at the fruit markets unless you're going to, you ask the, the shop, the, the market guy to pack it up, right? Right. That, that's right. Now, the, the, the point there, too, is at it's, it's some markets, it is okay to touch the produce, but you, you don't quite know. It, it's variable. Even at the same market, some stands might permit it, but others won't. And if they don't, they really don't. And you'll get, you'll get <laughs> scolded pretty quickly, and you won't forget that anytime soon. Well, we just have about a minute left, but I'm thinking of a large furniture market called, mm -hmm. is it called Klingencore? That's right. Yes. Yes. They, I mean, they're selling huge armoires uh, and great pieces of furniture. How does one get those back to the States if one buys one? Oh, they're, they're set up for that. They have special areas where you can go to to, to arrange the shipping because people are coming in from all over the world, literally, to, to do some shopping, find fantastic items for their homes in these markets. And so they're, they're well set up for that at Klingencourt. Uh, but there's another, let me just mention another market, which I think is a terrific place to go for now, great Now, we have about time. 10 seconds, but do it. <laughs> okay, it's called Port de Vanf, and, and the book includes information about that and all of the other flea markets in the area. Terrific. Well, the book is called Markets of Paris. You couldn't ask for a, uh, a more straightforward title. It's a second edition by Dixon Long, and we've been talking to the co-author, Marjorie R. Williams. You can find more information by going to Marjorie, that's with an I-E, MarjorieRWilliams.com. Marjorie, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you, Rudy. It's been my pleasure. We'll be right back. Rudy Max's world is coming right back. So get on the phone now at 800-387-8025. That's 1-800-387-8025. You can also enjoy the program anytime at RudyMaxa.com. Get in the zone. Regular oil changes can help you avoid paying more at the pump. And in times like these, that really matters. Clean engines are just more efficient. And now at AutoZone, get a five-quart oil change jug of Castrol conventional motor oil and an SDP oil filter for just $20.99. Or upgrade to Castrol high mileage for a little more. See store for restrictions and details. Stop in today and get more gas-saving tips from the experts at AutoZone. Parts are just part of what we do. Get in the zone. AutoZone. On my journey to help save people money on car insurance, people have been really surprised to learn that GEICO can also help with renter's insurance. They're even more surprised when I tell them it costs as little as $12 a month. But perhaps what's most surprising is that I still live with my mum. Yeah, I know, I really should start thinking about renting my own place. But then I'd have to get my own tea kettle, sofa, shower curtain, soap dish. Visit GEICO.com to see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I believe I can do anything. So when it came to learning a new language, I knew I had to do it the way I learn. No books, no memorizing or translating. I wanted to learn the same way I learned my first language, naturally. That's why I chose Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone invites you to be a part of its biggest language learning event in history. Because in 2012, we want to help 3 million people learn a new language. That's why we're going to give you an absolutely free demo of our language immersion technology. To participate in this free nationwide event, just call 1-800-507-5898. Si yo puedo hacerlo, usted puede hacerlo. If I can do it, you can do it. To participate in this free nationwide event, call now for your free demo from Rosetta Stone. Call 1-800-507-5898. That's 1-800-507-5898.
Does your furnace need repair, your house need cleaning, or maybe you're ready to update your kitchen or bath? Big or small, whatever your home improvement need, now it's easy to find the right home pro for your project. Take it from me, Rudy Maxa, and log on to homebuild411.servicemagic.com. Service Magic is a free online resource with instant access to top-rated remodelers, maids, handymen, painters, and many other contractors in your area. Just go to homebuild 411 servicemagic.com. ServiceMagic has a network of licensed and insured contractors in hundreds of home improvement categories. If you need a painter, electrician, plumber, architect, or any other home service, then you need to visit homebuild411.servicemagic.com today. It's easy, it's free, and it's a source to find neighbor-recommended contractors. Now you can hire a pre-screened home pro with confidence. Go to homebuild411.servicemagic.com. It's quick, it's free, and there's no obligation. Visit homebuild411.servicemagic.com magic.com or rudymaxa.com and click on sponsors for more info. Got a question or comment? Need advice? Jump on board now by calling the show at 800-387-8025 or visit the show anytime at rudymaxa.com. Now back to Rudy Maxa's world. 43 minutes after the hour, you know, anytime a you have someone with the reputation of Bill Moore, Boy, Bill Moyers saying this, no matter how many times you've been to Paris, never go again without Susan Kale. Well, you know you got to be talking about someone serious. Susan Kale is the author of a new book, just came out, just came out this week from St. Martin's Press, called The Hidden Gardens of Paris. Susan has written several books on travel, both in uh, uh, Italy and Ireland, and now she's added Paris and their gardens to her repertoire. Susan, nice to have you on the show. It's good to be here. Well, now, the hidden, hidden gardens, tell me what you mean by that. Does that mean they're hard to find or that most of us can't get into them? <laughs> well, many of them are hard to find. Uh, even Parisians have never been to some of them, in particular the one on the cover of the book, La Vallée Suisse, the Swiss Valley. It looks like it's um, something out of Provence with a, you know, a, know, a stone know. arch cave-like. You, could, you just wouldn't believe you're in Paris. Uh, and when you descend those stairs and you don't hear a sound from the streets, and you're not in a well, out-of-the-way neighborhood by any means. Uh, on the other hand, there are in the book a couple of, of the big, well-known ones, the Tuileries and the Luxembourg. You couldn't do a book like this without them. But for the most part, they are hard to find if you don't wander around, leave the center of the city, the grand boulevards, uh, you've got to do that. Now, I walk a lot, but the metro is great, too. I mean, if you've been to Paris, you, you know that it's it's uh, much better than the New York subway, much as I love New York. Um, <laughs> the metro is great. And in the book, I tell you what metro to take and and how to find the place. You not only tell me what metro to take, you also tell me what is in the neighborhood of these parks. And I think that's a brilliant touch to your book, actually. Yes. And, and and, you know, you talked about the well-known gardens, like the gardens of Luxembourg and so on, but still, they're 400 years old. That's an old garden. That's a mature garden, I would say. Yes, but the French maintain their gardens, whether they're in uh, the center of the city, where all the posh neighborhoods are and the uh, well-heeled tourists, or way out in the northeastern section, which is the working class most insurrectionary section of the city. Those gardens are so well-maintained, you can't believe it. Um, if something's broken, they fix it. It's, you never see it the next day. Uh, Is this the city that fixes it? 
I guess, yes, yes. And the current mayor is really behind all of this. Mayor Delano, Bernard Delano is his name. And he's added more than 400 acres of green spaces to the city. He's the one who restored the the bikes, the velo, that are parked all over the city. He's uh, right. made a lot of... Um, you know, pedestrian walkways out of the, in the Marais on, on the weekends. You can't bring a car in there. So it's very pleasant, you know. It's, it's easy to do this kind of environmentally friendly kind of travel that is so easy on the traveler because... So um, I think, I think uh, excuse me for interrupting, I think taking off from my first question, all the gardens in your book are open to the public. Uh, yes. There's no Gramercy Park in this book. It's and is it, there's no charge to go to these gardens? Um, no, no. I'm, I'm. That no one's ever asked me that before. But no, um, no. That is I'm, that is amazing. It's a gorgeous book. You, you have you have a photographer uh, named Marion who who provided a lot of the pictures. Uh, yes, Marion Ronux. She is right. my my grand my uh, daughter-in-law. Oh, fabulous. She's a professional photographer. She's lived in Paris all her life, and and it's really thanks to her that I got to uh, get to many of these places. That you got to find some of them, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um, But not that she knew all of them either. I do a lot of just wandering. I've always done travel books that way, just, you know, following what looks interesting or not. Of course, you've come to plenty of dead ends, too. But the nearby sections that you mentioned... Uh, most of those I found just by wandering around and seeing what looked good and then going back and trying the food if it's a bistro, uh, the bookstores and the churches. And just, you know, you can imagine the kind of oh, God bless you, Susan. God bless you for doing this research. It just sounds brutal. <laughs> oh, no, but it isn't. It isn't. I, I, I know. Mean, I'm kidding. Can you imagine? Um, I'm kidding. We've but, only got 30 seconds left, and I know you're going to be asked this by everybody, all your friends when they get the book. They're going to ask you what your favorite garden is. Can you give us one or two in, in well, only 20 seconds? The one on the cover of La Valle Suisse, because it's, it's such a delight and such a shock. You can't believe it's there. And I'm also very fond of their Galant, the very first one in the book, which means uh, the gay blade. It's named for Henry IV, their beloved king who uh, insisted on religious tolerance. He was a Protestant who converted. Uh, he said Paris was worth a mass. <laughs> Terrific. Well, he, he for more information... wives and 56 mistresses. I mean, for more information, go to SusanKHill.net. Susan's book is called The Hidden Gardens of Paris. Pick it up before you go there. Thank you, Susan. To participate in the program and speak with Rudy Maxa, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info at rudymaxa.com. This segment of Rudy Max's World is brought to you by Service Magic. Now you can hire pre-screened home pros with confidence for repairs, remodeling, plumbing needs, maid services, and so much more. Visit www.homebuild411.servicemagic.com. That's homebuild411.servicemagic.com. 52 minutes after the hour, it's my pleasure to welcome back a guest we've had on before, Peter Tarlow. He's the president of a company called Tourism and More. Uh, He's based in College Station, Texas. He's a world-renowned speaker and expert specializing in all kinds of areas of travel, crime, terrorism, event and terrorism, tourism, risk management, economic development. But, Peter, I didn't know you were a rabbi. Yes, I am. Unbelievable. 
And I only know you're a rabbi I'm, because I'm a rabbi I. Rabbi Texas A&M University. Yeah. Uh, you wear a, a lot of hats, literally. Yes, I do. And, and right I only now found the hats are in the dark because we're having a blackout in College Station. What is it? You're not in the middle of a tornado, are you? No, we're just in the middle of a blackout, so there's no electricity in the city. So if we get cut off. That's the reason why. Okay, I'll, I'll talk fast then. I I learned you were a rabbi because I read a piece in a in a newspaper in the state of Washington, and you were talking about something I mentioned at the start of the show, which is this is National Tourism Month. Yes, it and is. And you were taking you were putting on your rabbi's glasses and taking a religious look, a bit tongue in cheek, but yes. uh, in which you identified uh, a couple famous biblical figures as perhaps the first tour guides. Yes. Tell us about the, who, who, who you You're nominated right, yes. for those positions. Well, I think I actually, um, I said the father, I, I gave three. I said the father of um, group tourism was Moses, <laughs> who took us on a trip across the Sinai Peninsula. It was 40 years. And I'd like to point out that there's a major problem with signage in the world of tourism. It's sometimes very hard to find where you're going. Right. And I've often wondered if he had had better signage in the Sinai Peninsula, if he might not have gone right instead of left, we would have gotten the oil instead of the sand. Oh, my goodness. You also so, wondered if there was anybody complaining about how their room didn't have a view in the hotel that night. Oh, I'm, believe me, they complained the entire 40 years. <laughs> Even God <laughs> threw up his hands in frustration. <laughs> he, um, then I think I also spoke about uh, Noah as the first cruise director. <laughs> and, um, that and what actually, a ship he had. Yes, it was. And on top of that, the word Noah in Hebrew is Noah, which means to veg out, to do nothing. He has three sons. One is, and they very much typify um, sometimes the way tourists are seen. Uh, the first one's name is Shem, who means basically Hebrew, um, I'm a big deal. The world revolves around me, okay. uh, which is sometimes a problem with tourism. Okay. The, the second one is Yafet, which means pretty boy. And the third one is Ham, which means hot, and it's a four-letter word that starts with an S-H, ends in a T, and I couldn't say it on the air. Oh, my goodness. And You're a rabbi who knows a lot of colloquial stuff. Yes, I do. And they go on a cruise to nowhere. When That's they, true. Uh, when they get off the ship, if you remember, um, Noah plants a vineyard and gets drunk out of his mind. Uh-oh. I think we just lost Rabbi Tarlo to a blackout. Jeff, you want to try to ring him back and I'll uh, vamp here for a minute? <laughs> we got two of the three. We got Moses as the tour guide. And uh, Noah as the first cruise director. I really want to hear who the who the third is. Um, while uh, while we see if we can ring Peter Tarlow, Rabbi Tarlow, back up, uh, I just wanted to tell you next week. I hope to have on uh, our friend Scott McCartney. He wrote a great piece in the Wall Street Journal about what to do when you forget your new iPad on a plane, or for that matter your really expensive smartphone or your Kindle or your Nook. Um, you would be amazed. I was amazed at the number of people who leave those things often in that uh in the seat back uh in front of you as they say in that uh, pocket there uh you know you get you sort of get dumb when you've been flying for a couple hours and you stand up and uh and you you know you're foggy and you're busy getting your overhead luggage and you forget all about it we'll learn a little more about that and what you ought to do to be able to retrieve your electronic goods if that happens. Uh, Jeff tells me in my ear that the blackout is continuing in College Station, Texas, and that Rabbi Tarlow is unavailable. So uh, maybe I'll have him on next week to just to get who, see who the third uh, uh, biblical character he has in mind uh, as a tour guide might be. Meanwhile, let me ask you to go to Facebook.com at your leisure at some point this week and click on Rudy Maxa-TV show. Um, they didn't have, they didn't have a section called 
radio show. You had to choose a profession, and all they had was TV show. And since I do a public television series on the great destinations of the world, I picked that. But for our purposes, Rudy Maxadash TV show means Rudy Maxadash radio show. And most of the postings I put there have to do with the radio show and our guests on the show. In fact, maybe I can find uh, Rabbi Tarlow's third person and put him up there this week. Um, but if, feel free to go there. And if you do, click like, won't you? And uh, that, 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 I don't know, it seems to count with folks. I don't know. I'm trying to hit the number 2,000, and maybe you can help me. And just when you thought that you could pass a week without hearing mention of the Titanic, well, a very wealthy Australian announced that he's hired a Chinese shipyard to build an exact replica of the Titanic. But he's going to equip it with modern technology to prevent the ship from... Oh, you know, like running into an iceberg or something like that. Clive Palmer is a Queensland mining billionaire. He also owns a luxury resort on Australian Sunshine Course. And he wants to build a line of luxury ships with the Titanic replica being the very first one. He promises every detail because those diagrams and those drawings for uh, the Titanic do exist. And he's going to replicate that ship right down to the last candelabra. So watch for that. He hopes to have the new Titanic sailing between London and New York beginning late in 2016. There is no word on the expected cost of this project. Oh, I see Peter Darlow is trying to call me on my cell. I'll call him back and tell him we'll get him on again briefly next week. Meanwhile, thanks so much for joining me in Rudy Max's World. I hope you'll come back here and do it again next week. I'd like to thank uh, Jeff Ryder, my engineer, my executive producer, Anna Schofield, uh, Bob Carey, and the entire team at SSI. I want to give them a big thank you, too. And I want to thank you for listening and our radio stations for carrying us. See you again next week. Travel safely. You've been listening to Rudy Max's World, and as always, you're hearing must-hear radio on the SSI Radio Network.